I invite you to remain standing a moment longer for this morning's reading from the Gospel. I'll be reading from the Gospel according to Matthew, the second chapter, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Be to God. You may be seated. So we have we are entering the season of Epiphany. This is uh, the day of Epiphany, as I mentioned at the outset of our worship experience. This season uh, takes us from the Christmas season through the Transfiguration, and then we will enter into ordinary time. Uh, this is a time when most of us associate the visit of the wise men, the magi, those, those learned, uh, studious men from the east uh, who followed a distant light until they found uh, the baby Jesus. But really when we talk about epiphany, we're talking about the ways that God is manifest. And, in, and this being a, uh, a theological exercise here this morning, uh, this is uh, the way God is manifest in Jesus Christ, His Son. Uh, certainly worthy not only of those magi giving praise and homage, but us as well. We, uh, like the world, are constantly being invited uh, to see uh, God and, and the ways God is manifesting God's self in our world. Uh, today we are celebrating with these uh, studious men who gave of their time, uh, their talent, their treasure to make this journey uh, probably from somewhere in, in uh, Persia being modern day Iran uh, coming this way. Uh, so these uh, wise men, if you will, depending on which translation of the Bible, uh, I think it's probably an accurate uh, uh, description of them to say they are astrologers. Uh, they have uh, studied enough. Uh, they, they follow the movement of stars and planets in the skies. Uh, I think we can assume because they journeyed for so long from such a far distance uh, that they are uh, influential. Uh, I think they can pass through various kingdoms without being a threat 
uh, to uh, uh, the governments of those kingdoms. Uh, they certainly seem to have a bankroll that allows them to travel and also give these very expensive gifts uh, to Jesus. Uh, and so we can think of them as these influential outsiders. Uh, I think it's remarkable that they had studied enough about another culture, uh, namely uh, Jewish uh, uh, teachings, Jewish scripture, to have put together the prophecies about a king coming to the Jews. Uh, these are Gentiles uh, from this faraway land. There's no uh, indication that they have any kind of Jewish training or upbringing, and yet uh, they've studied other cultures and, and lives of other uh, peoples and have come to the conclusion that this king has been born and this light that is in the sky, this star that they are following, is pointing them in this direction. I think that's a remarkable thing. It also reminds us about how uh, we always don't understand God's purposes. Uh, we always don't understand fully the paths that we find ourselves on, uh, but yet needing to be people of faith and believing that God can be a part of these things. Well, let's talk about Herod in this story. Now, this is not Herod when Jesus, this is not the Herod we're going to hear about later this spring uh, when we go through the passion story of Jesus. This is Herod the Great. Uh, Herod the Great uh, ruled uh, Judah from about 37 to 4 B.C. So he has a long tenure as being the, the king of this area. Now, he, he's far from a good king. But he is married to uh, somebody from the Hasmonean family, which gives him some official credibility to be the king of the Jews by virtue of that marriage. That's a, uh, it's a very uh, sketchy kind of a, but, but unlike others who get appointed to be uh, uh, king over the Jews, Herod at least has married into a family that gets some credibility to be a, a king over them. But Herod uh, the Great is far from a good king. He is ruthless. He's cruel, uh, needless to say. He's a tyrant. And if you get in his way, he will do bad things to you. As a matter of fact, he has already killed one wife and three of his children who he feared were plotting against him at some point. So this is the kind of ruler uh, that when these wise men do this kind of courtesy call in Jerusalem and say, hey, we've come to see the new king, I think maybe you can begin to understand why Herod the Great gets a little antsy about, well, who is this king uh, that's been born? He's not even in touch with his own traditions, scriptures, the prophecies that we heard uh, there in verse uh, 6, I believe it was, that come from Micah uh, 5.2 that says, uh, Bethlehem, you are going to be uh, the place where this king will come from. Uh, so he, he, Herod inquires of his uh, yes men, you know, what, what's going on here? And they tell him, this is, this is all prophesied. And and, and these, uh, these men from the east apparently uh, have heard about that uh, prophetic word and they believe this light in the sky that they are following is in fact this king who's been born. Well, you can see why the tension ramps up uh, and Herod is uh, uh, credited with uh, in, in later uh, days of, of ordering the, the murder of all the boys in the area of Bethlehem, two years about the age of Jesus at this time. For about, so he's, he's given uh, that, that additional black label, if you will, 
Uh, so here, here we have these wise men. They've been traveling for quite some time. This just doesn't fit real uh, cleanly with our nativity scenes that when we put all the characters together, you know, when we have our, our baby Jesus in the manger and we've got the shepherds and the angels and then here's these three wise men. Well, if you look at the time and you base uh, this, uh, the timing uh, on this uh, teaching, including, as I just mentioned, that Herod orders the death of all male children, he's going to try to wipe out any possibility of this king ever growing up, this Jesus. Uh, if you use that age, then Jesus is about two years of age uh, when these wise men reach Bethlehem. That's kind of a clue. So, you know, in Luke's gospel, we, we see the baby Jesus in the manger, and, and we have the shepherds come and the angels uh, praising and, and doing their thing. But in Matthew's gospel, I think when the wise men show up, we could expect Jesus as a toddler running around the house. Uh, you know, Mary chasing him, you know, having to raise uh, young Jesus. But here are these wise men. And the very first thing they do when they reach Bethlehem is they bow down. They bow down and worship this king, giving them these great treasures. Gold, gold for his royalty, frankincense for his divinity, and as a little bit of foreboding myrrh for the burial. But these are valuable, expensive gifts that these travelers from afar have brought and are giving this Jewish king. And yet there's no sign that these wise men are Jewish or have any understanding other than perhaps something bigger than themselves brought them to this place and God was using their testimony, their witness, to point to God's purposes. So here are these learned men. Through study, through discernment, and then action, they come to pay homage to the newborn king. Novelist Jean Shepard, this is, this is something that I find. Novelist Jean Shepard, one of her works was a, a fistful of fig newtons. Now what Jean Shepard was talking about uh, is, is the point I'm going to make about the light coming into the world. Jesus is the light, the new light coming into the world. So God is bringing in new light, and I think it's safe to say where there is no light, there's darkness, and in that darkness is sorrow and separation from God and all of those things that we really don't want to think about. Uh, but, but it's the contrast between light and darkness. Jean Shepard said in her, her, in her, her novel, A Fistful of Fig Newton, she said, now... This was the story she told. A, a group of archaeologists uh, find New York City collapsed. This is, you know, years and years away from now. And they're digging in the rubble under Madison Avenue, the great center of marketing. And they find some old reels of, of, of footage. Uh, they, they don't understand what they are. Uh, but on, that, uh, on those reels, they finally find something in the rubble that allows them to see the slides and to play that, that newsreel. And in this newsreel footage uh, are these, these three women, and, and they have these white cylinders, and they're touching them. And this man in a white uniform, very stern, walks up and says, please don't squeeze the Charmin. And they said, well, Mr. Whipple is just irresistibly soft. And, of course, by the end of the scene, Mr. Whipple is squeezing the Charmin and smiling. He said, what if... People from another place, another time, what if that's what they thought our culture, or worse, our faith was all about? She said, can you imagine those people who would be charting history from that point forward saying, these Americans 
We're worshiping these white cylinders, and we don't know what they are, but if we can discover what that white was that they were squeezing, we'll have all the answers to, to all the problems of the world. That's what I was trying to tell Ben and Mary Elsie. If we can prepare ourselves, we don't need to be sidetracked with white, soft cylinders that are irresistibly soft. We can get the truth. But if we live in darkness, if we live our lives and don't expose ourselves to the great teachings, to the life of Jesus, to what God is doing in our world, can you imagine the track our lives take? We'll find something that's irresistibly soft and we'll think that's the purpose for our lives. Friends, this season of Epiphany that, that takes us from the great stories of Christmas, God coming into the world in powerful, life-changing ways, the light of the world, and this opportunity we have to, to see Jesus and to experience Jesus coming into our lives, this is a, a time of meaning for us. Let's not squander this. Let's not fall back into something that's comfortable and soft for us and think that that will give us great purpose in life. Author Philip Yancey tells of Commander Richard Byrd. Richard Byrd spent six months of his life uh, in a metal hut, basically, at the South Pole. Four of those six months were without light. Commander Byrd knew that. He couldn't be prepared enough for the experience he, he shared later after the fact. He said, as, as the days wore on without light, he said it was as if death had come into the world. The, the, the man-made light wasn't uh, what he thought it would be. It, it didn't bring him the, the hope and the meaning. And he said even though he knew that, that time was going to bring daylight back into his world there on the South Pole, he said, I couldn't be prepared for the great joy when that light finally started bringing light into the darkness. He said, I, 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 couldn't, I, I could not gather it all in. Friends, that's the kind of light that Christ brings into our lives and our world. During this season of Epiphany, Epiphany offers us these things that, 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 that should help us. Epiphany is a spiritual journey to Jesus. Think about that. We, we, we give of our time ourselves to come here to hear stories of Jesus Yes, the last couple of weeks we've seen Jesus as a, as a young person. But we know there's, there's not much of young Jesus in the Bible. It's, it's adult Jesus. And so we know that's coming. But let's think about Epiphany being that spiritual journey to Jesus. We also can think of Epiphany as the divine signs. These wise men who were not people of the faith of Jesus, they used signs to help them. Herod. The oppressive ruler who didn't understand the, the light in the sky, he used signs trying to figure it out himself. Today, we're going to celebrate communion. In this service, we do that regularly. But for the entire church, we come today to this table. Another sign of God's love and God's ongoing purpose for our lives in this world. So think about those signs that you might be experiencing in your life. Sometimes it's a family member. Sometimes a friend. Sometimes it's in your own personal, private study of Scripture. Sometimes it's in your prayers, your meditations, your reflections, your time being spent with the Holy Spirit. Signs are all around us, pointing us to where God wants us to go. Sometimes it's not lipstick on a mirror. 
Sometimes it's not a, a letter that comes from heaven. Sometimes it's in subtle nudges from the Spirit. Encouragement. Prayer. And then there's this opportunity we have in, in epiphany for stewardship. How will we, like those wise men, how will we spend our time? What does your calendar look like? Is your calendar devoted to time with God? It's time for a reflection. You know, where have you spent the last seven days of your life? How much time with God? Do, do you join together in worship so that you can hear weekly, regularly, signs that God may be giving you? So our stewardship of our talent, our resources, our time, that is another gift that Epiphany brings us. Let us not squander this time. Let us see in these characters in the, in the Scripture today, these men who set aside their lives to follow this great promise that they had heard about, to worship this newborn king. Let's see in them that God is open and ready for all people. Shepherds, wise men, the oppressors of our world even. God is there and God's love can burn through so many layers of resistance, so many layers of, of putting God off. But we need to trust and we need to have faith. So today as we come to this table, as we are on our own journey, each and every one of us individually, but also as a church collectively, let us find Jesus once again. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our time